It's just sociopathic. I mean, this, this man has no respect for rules, no respect for the lives of, of, of other human beings, no respect for the country, no respect for the Constitution, no respect for his duties. He is a sociopathic criminal, and this is just another nail in the coffin. It's just another thing that's going to put him away. <laughs> but how do you really feel, George Conway? How does Kellyanne feel? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Actually, it's pretty good. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. And happy about it. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, in Rochester, New York, we're on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans, we're on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets as well on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and almost all of your favorite podcast sites were downloadable. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow... Says me from bradblog.com, feeling even a bit sweller than usual today, Desi Doyen. Yes, I know. We will uh, we'll get to the uh, latest in the Donald Trump criminal indictments, plural, and the release of the audio tape, which you heard George Conway talking about there at the top of the show, which would seem to seal a guilty verdict in his federal indictment on 37 felony counts related to his theft of documents, many of them highly classified from the White House. But as encouraging as that news may be, it was the ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court a long-awaited ruling on Tuesday that has, frankly, me breathing a huge sigh of relief today. Not just you, I think. Pretty much <sighs> everybody who understood was what was at stake, not just in the United States, but potentially around the world as well. It, this is one that we have been warning about for almost a year now as uh, the most troubling potential ruling that could have come out of our corrupt, stolen, and packed right-wing SCOTUS majority this term. And the good news is, uh, the good guys, the ones that believe in democracy and voting rights, yes, all around the world, in fact, have won this case on Tuesday. And it is huge, if only for what it won't allow right-wingers to get away with when it comes to a far-right fringe constitutional theory that Republicans of late, uh, Trump MAGA Republicans, have been trying to get uh, to the Supreme Court for a majority ruling for some time now. 
This is a theory that would have, but now won't, at least for now, have upended everything. And I mean everything that we know about federal elections and American democracy and several hundred years of laws that govern them. I've been making the the case in recent weeks as the final decisions from this year's term at the Supreme Court have come in that the court is holding that uh, in surprising ruling after surprising ruling in recent weeks. uh, Enough of the right wingers on the six to three right wing court majority have been joining the liberals to come to, frankly, uh, correct reasonable decisions on a number of major, major cases, most notably when it comes to voting rights. And on Tuesday, well, they did it again. The Supreme Court ruled that state courts can act as a check on their state legislatures in redistricting and every other issue affecting federal elections, soundly rejecting arguments by North Carolina Republicans that could have transformed contests for Congress and the presidency. As AP reports the Supreme's ruling today, the justices by a six to three vote with Chief Justice John Roberts, joined by Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, all joining the court's three liberals, upheld a decision by North Carolina's Supreme Court that struck down a congressional districting plan in the state, which uh, had uh, which the uh, state Supreme Court had found to be an unlawful partisan gerrymander under state law. Now, the argument that North North Carolina Republicans had brought to the U.S. Supreme Court when they wanted them to overrule their own state Supreme Court was based on a fringe constitutional theory which has never, and still today, never been granted legitimacy by a majority of the U.S. Supreme Court, known as the Independent State Legislature Theory, which holds that the Constitution's Elections Clause which says that state legislatures have the power to determine the, quote, time, places and manner of congressional and presidential elections in their state, that that clause essentially grants those state legislatures complete, unreviewable autonomy to determine any and all federal election laws in their state. Those decisions, the ISL theory goes, cannot then be reviewed or overturned by anybody or anything, not by a gubernatorial veto, not by a secretary of state or not even the state constitutional itself. They actually believe that state legislatures can overrule the state constitutions, which created the state legislatures in the first place. That's how bonkers this theory is. State Supreme Courts then may not overrule the legislature even based on what it says in their state's constitution. Even a constitutional initiative adopted by voters of the state, well, that would become invalid, essentially, if the state legislature, many of them gerrymandered to keep their incumbents in power, if they decided as much, if they decided they didn't like that uh, constitutional amendment that the voters approved. Under this independent state legislature theory that many feared might finally be granted legitimacy by the corrupted and stolen six to three Republican majority that is now on the high court, uh, as they heard in a case last year called Moore v. Harper. 
The case was originally a challenge by Republicans in uh, North Carolina to the uh, state Supreme Court, which blocked they had the, the state Supreme Court had blocked a new congressional map that was drawn by the state's GOP majority legislature. The state Supreme Court found it to be an unlawful partisan gerrymander under the state's constitution. And so Republicans took that matter to the U.S. Supreme Court to argue that their state Supreme Court had no right to block their maps, no matter how they drew them under state law. That the U.S. Constitution's Elections Clause somehow gives the legislature the right to do whatever they want when it comes to federal elections. And nobody can stop them. And I know this seems nuts. I mean, it really does. But this is the argument that they were making. Uh, and, 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 you know, for good reason, many of us feared that the right wingers on the high court would agree with them. Which, by the way, would mean state legislatures could even determine presidential electors in a presidential election, even if the voters in that election had decided that they wanted a different candidate because, you know, the state legislature gets to decide everything. So that was the argument that Donald Trump, by the way, and his corrupt attorney, John Eastman, who has been essentially on trial out here in California all week as the state bar is uh, considering revoking his law license for, among other things, trying to make this argument. But that was the argument that uh, Trump and Eastman and others were trying to use to convince state legislators back in, two, uh, in uh, 2020 that they had the power to do after the 2020 presidential election, that state legislature uh, legislatures in Georgia or Arizona or Wisconsin could simply overrule the voters. They could simply vote to send Trump's electors to Congress because they felt like it, because the constitutional Constitution's election clause gave them that right, even though the voters of those states had selected Joe Biden's electors instead. And many feared that where those state legislatures failed to try that move in 2020, not for uh, you know lack of an effort by uh, Trump and Eastman and the rest, but where they didn't do it in 2020, if they got the approval from the Supreme Court here, well, they would try exactly that in the 2024 election. And that was perhaps the greatest fear in all of this. But now it seems, based on the uh, SCOTUS ruling on Tuesday, they won't, or at least they won't be allowed to uh, in any event. Now, potentially at stake, according to the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU, were more than 170 state constitutional provisions, over 650 state laws delegating authority to make election policies to state and local officials, and thousands of regulations down to the location of polling places. All of that, it was feared, could have been tossed out in favor of this crazy ISL theory that I've been warning about for a year. Because, as you can see, it's kind of important. The uh, North Carolina, in uh, the, the challenge there was to a court-drawn U.S. House map that had produced seven seats for each party in last year's midterm elections in a, in a highly competitive state. North Carolina is just about as evenly split as possible politically 
in, in, you know, compared to any other state in this country. Yet, because Republicans still control the state legislature that they gerrymandered, because of that, they wanted to draw the House maps that would ensure a Republican majority in their U.S. House delegation, and the state Supreme Court told them, nope, you can't. The practical effect, then, of the uh, ruling on Tuesday at the high court is actually minimal. Uh, Actually, it says mm, the status quo pretty much remains. And it's at least minimal in the Moore v. Harper case itself because the North Carolina Supreme Court, under a new Republican majority that was elected last November, uh, that new Republican majority has already reversed the original redistricting ruling by the previous Democratic court majority. Despite nothing actually changing in the law in North Carolina or in the state's constitution, the new Republican majority on the North Carolina Supreme Court just asked to hear the matter again, essentially, so that they could reverse the previous decision by the Democratic majority. So that alone was a wildly corrupt exercise, but that's how Republicans roll in North Carolina these days. That new ruling at the state level then begged the question of whether Moore v. Harper, which had been heard at the U.S. Supreme Court a month earlier, uh, whether that case was now moot entirely and whether the Supremes would just simply dismiss the matter to be decided on another day. But opponents of this ISL theory, voting rights advocates, Democrats, did not want SCOTUS to dismiss this because they feared that the matter would come before the court in a different case that would then be decided next year at the end of next year's term in June, potentially wreaking utter havoc in the middle of a presidential election if, in fact, they decided in favor of this ISL theory. Justices Sam Alito, Clarence Thomas, and Neil Gorsuch noted in their dissenting opinions that they would have dismissed the case because of the intervening North North Carolina court action, that they were no longer needed to make a decision here because there was no longer anything to be decided. But uh, Chief Justice John Roberts worked his uh, magic and uh, found a way to still rule on this case, even though Uh, Frankly, Alito, Thomas and Gorsuch are kind of right. It was kind of moot, uh, the the challenge that was was brought because it had already been reversed in North Carolina. But uh, apparently Roberts wanted to get this decision out of the way now instead of next year. I, for one, am glad that he wanted to get this particular thing on the books before 2024. Yeah, because there is another redistricting case out of Ohio that is still pending. And uh, that could still come before the court if the justices have more to say about all of this before next year's elections. Uh, Voting rights advocates breathed a huge sigh of relief. Uh, Abba Khanna, the counsel of record for the Harper plaintiffs in Moore v. Harper, described the 6-3 decision as, quote, a resounding victory for free and fair elections in the United States. The independent state legislature theory is a dangerous fringe legal theory that has no place in our democracy, she said in a statement, noting that it would have, quote, removed a crucial check on state legislatures, making it easier for rogue legislators to enact policies that suppress voters and subvert elections. We are incredibly relieved that the Supreme Court decisively 
rejected this dangerous theory, she said. Quote, this ruling is a resounding rejection of the far-right theory that has been peddled by election deniers and extremists seeking to undermine our democracy. That, according to former President Barack Obama in a statement applauding the ruling. Quote, and it makes clear that courts can continue defending voters' rights in North Carolina and in every other state. Former federal judge Michael Ludig a prominent conservative, uh, a very prominent conservative who has joined the uh, legal team defending the original North Carolina court decision. That's how important this matter was. You got a guy like Ludig coming in and defending against what the Republicans were trying to do here. He joined the team defending the original decision. He said last fall that the outcome could have transformative effects on American elections. Quote, this is the single most important case on American democracy and for American democracy in the nation's history, Ludig said. So it's not just us that had our hair on fire about this. There's a reason. Yes, it was that big of a deal, which we tried to sound the alarm about uh, on this case last year at this time when the court decided to take it up in the next term. So we've been warning about this for a year. Uh, Leading Republican lawmakers in North Carolina told the Supreme Court that the Constitution's, quote, carefully drawn lines place the regulation of federal elections in the hands of state legislatures, Congress and no one else. Well, as of today, uh, they were found to be very wrong. As our friend Mark Joseph Stern of Slate tweeted as the ruling was released on Tuesday, quote, whoa, the Supreme Court decides more v. Harper holding that the case is not moot and rejecting the independent state legislature theory. He said the decision is a huge victory for democracy, ensuring that states can continue to review election laws enacted by state legislatures under state constitutions and that federal courts do not have freewheeling power to meddle in state election schemes. In his article posted later on Tuesday under the uh, headline, uh, quote, John Roberts has wrested back control of the Supreme Court. Uh, This is his article at Slate. Mark Joseph Stern described the ruling as having, quote, firmly quashed this nefarious idea of the independent state legislature theory, noting Roberts' opinion affirmed the constitutionality of important reforms like citizen-led redistricting commissions. That seemed imperiled by the court's hard right turn. In fact, uh, a number of states around the country have Uh, Either the legislature has created it or a ballot initiative has been uh, adopted by voters that would take the idea of redistricting out of the partisan hands of the state legislature and hand it to an independent citizens group. Of course, those would have uh, been made unlawful if a state legislature felt like it uh, under the ISL theory. But now, yes, those are allowed to move forward. At the same time, however, Mark writes, Roberts preserved his own court's latitude to rein in state judiciaries that the court's conservative majority might determine to have gone too far beyond the bounds of state election law. How far exactly, he asks? Who knows? That's the magic and the madness of the chief justice's approach to judging 
which tempers deeply held conservative beliefs with strategic pragmatism and ideological flexibility. It's an acquired taste, to be sure, he writes, but Kavanaugh and Barrett may be learning to love it, (laughs) particularly when compared with the more blunt force approach of longtime hardliners Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. If you want to win the chief justice's vote, Mark writes, you do not ask him to diminish the power of courts, which, of course, a ruling in favor of ISL theory would have done exactly that. Mark concludes, so far this term, Roberts is once again in the driver's seat and the court is acting a lot more like a court than this time last year. It's too early for grand conclusions, but it sure looks like a majority of the justices want us to know that they are backing away from the brink. And that would perhaps be the best news of all. Now, Desi Doyen, uh, as we have seen uh, case after case in recent weeks from the Supremes with enough Right-wingers being peeled off to join the court's liberals in the majority uh, on on the Voting Rights Act, racial gerrymandering, protection of Medicaid, uh, Joe Biden's right to set rules for immigration, etc. You've been worried that those early good news rulings were simply cover for horrific rulings to come as this year's term winds down at the end of the month. One of those rulings that you and I had both feared were being, you know, sort of masked by those earlier nice rulings was Moore v. Harper and yeah. the uh, ISL theory. Can we breathe a sigh of relief here yet? Yes, at I this think terms I, end? I think we can. At least uh, U.S. democracy is saved. For the moment, moment. you know, there are, of course, some other uh, uh, cases still waiting to come out that, you know, depending on how they play out, they will harm people and vulnerable groups. But hopefully we'll see. We'll see if the Supreme Court decides to look reasonable and moderate there as well. Sort of the uh, three big cases left, uh, affirmative action and in college admissions, that could be overturned. We will see. Joe Biden's student loan plan to wipe away or or reduce debt uh, held by millions of Americans. But if that's wiped away, the uh, administration had said they will try again, I think, through another means. And another one of these dumb issues of uh, religious rights in Colorado, where you have a religious right to discriminate against people. Correct. Yeah. Not to bake a cake this time, but a web designer who doesn't actually design wedding websites yet, but she wants to. And she's afraid if she does, she'll have to make them for same sex couples as well. Oh, the horror. So we'll see what happens. Uh, To be sure, as you say, uh, it could affect uh, a lot of people and in negative ways. But frankly, these are all sort of, uh, you know, right wingy uh, decisions that could come from the courts. As far as I'm concerned, the huge ones holding up uh, upholding democracy itself. Well, maybe we've dodged those bullets, at least for this term. We shouldn't have to dodge bullets, but I'm glad that this time we have. All right, coming up later, Desi Doyne and her latest Green News report. But first, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll come back, chit-chat a bit about that audio tape obtained and released by CNN on Monday night of Donald Trump purportedly showing highly classified Iran attack war plans to a couple of book authors. No big thing. That's next, as we will be joined by attorney and former U.S. Army Captain Keith Barber. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. 
Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. You talk too much. <laughs> you never shut up. I said you talk too much. Oh boy, you never shut up. True enough. Keep talking. Don't shut up. I'm fine with it. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. An audio recording from a meeting in which... Former President Donald Trump discusses a, quote, highly confidential document with an interviewer appears to undermine his later claim that he didn't have any such documents, only magazines and newspaper clippings. The recording obtained and first aired on Monday night by CNN from a July 2021 interview that Trump gave at his Bedminster, New Jersey resort. For people who are working on the memoir of his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, is, of course, a critical piece of evidence in special counsel Jack Smith's 37-count felony indictment of Trump over his unlawful retention of national defense information under the Espionage Act. The special counsel's indictment alleges that those in attendance at the meeting with Trump, including a writer, a publisher, and two of Trump's staff members were all shown classified information about a Pentagon plan of attack on an unspecified foreign country, which we now know to be Iran. Quote, these are the papers, Trump says on the audio recording with the papers rustling in a moment that seems to indicate he's holding a secret Pentagon document with plans to attack Iran. Quote, this was done by the military. Given to me, he says on the tape. In the indictment itself, the conversation is briefly described, quote, before the interview, the indictment reads on page 15, the media had published reports that at the end of Trump's term as president, a senior military official purportedly feared that Trump might order an attack on country A, that would be Iran, and that the senior military official, who we now know to be General Mark Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon, advised Trump against doing so. Upon greeting the writer, publisher, and his two staff members, according to the indictment, Trump stated, quote, Look what I found. This was, the senior military official's, plan of attack. Read it. It's interesting. As he refers to something he describes as, quote, highly confidential, noting that as a former president, he no longer has the power to declassify it, perhaps for use in the book that they uh, were there to interview him for. Now, here's the entire two-minute recording of the exchange as obtained by CNN. We'll have someone here to talk about it momentarily, but I want to play it for you in full so you can decide for yourself. These are bad, sick people. That, but, that was your coup, you know, against you. That's well, it started right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a coup. No, they, they were trying right. to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right, yeah, trying yeah. to overthrow yeah. your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. 
This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at him. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Look. Mm. Wait a minute. Let's see here. Uh, yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm-hmm. Except it is like highly confidential, yeah. secret. <laughs> this is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack. And Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. <laughs> send it, you know she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner. Yeah. Yeah. The pervert. Um, by the way, isn't that incredible? Though? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it. <laughs> and, you know, he said, he wanted to attack Iran and what? He said you the papers. Oh, this was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably. Right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out. A, a, yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified. Yeah. No, I can't. You know, but this is. Yeah, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, it's so. I'm look. We here and I have. A, and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, I believe It's incredible, right? No, they, hey, bring they some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. Want. Yeah, bring some cokes in, please. Uh, this just came up. All sorts of, all sorts of stuff. Pages long. We we could use it. Well, I we have to. I can't declassify it now that I'm not president anymore. His reference to uh, something that he says is highly confidential and his apparent showing of the documents to other people at that 2021 meeting would seem to undercut his claim in a recent Fox News interview with Brett Baer that he didn't have any documents with him, that uh, there was, in his words, no document, just a, quote, massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. Well, because both Trump's interview seemingly sharing the documents with those authors, publishers and staffers is on tape and his claim to Brett Baer about that conversation, they're both on tape. Well, you can decide who's telling the truth about what actually happened. Here's Bear asking him about the uh, description of the conversation from the indictment a week or so ago. This was before the actual tape recording of his conversation at Bedminster was released by CNN. According to the indictment, you were here at Bedminster on July 21st, 2021, after you're no longer president, and you were recorded saying that you had a document detailing a plan of attack on another country that was prepared by the U.S. military for you when you were president. The Iran attack plan. You remember that? Ready? You were recorded. It wasn't a document. Okay. I had lots of paper. I had copies of newspaper articles. I had copies of magazines. I know. This is specifically a quote. You're quoted on the recording saying the document was secret, adding that you could have declassified it while you were president, but, quote, now I can't. You know this is still secret, highly confidential. And the indictment cites the recording and the testimony from people in the room saying you showed it to people there that day. So you say on this on tape it says just the opposite. that you can't and, declassify and it, so you. why have it? What I said, when I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I, I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify it. And that's what you said. You didn't I said declassify that. it. I, I said, no, no. I said I couldn't I de- could have declassified it. But that wasn't a document, it. Brett. 
There was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. I'm just saying what the indictment says. Well, they, the recording people, and the look, people in the room who these testified. These people are very dishonest people. They're thugs. They're thugs. That was not a document. I didn't have a document per se, and it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. There was nothing to declassify. Those were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. A Trump campaign spokesman said the uh, audio recording, quote, provides context proving once again that President Trump did nothing wrong at all. Really, does it? Because Trump is a master of deception on his social media website on Monday night, he claimed the recording is, quote, actually an exoneration rather than what they would have you believe. On Tuesday, he told Fox News predictably, quote, this is just another hoax. We did nothing wrong and everybody knows it. Also, he said, these are not the droids you're looking for. And the Fox reporter seemed to agree with him. Trump pleaded not guilty earlier this month to all 37 federal felony counts charged against him by Jack Smith in Florida as part of a 38-count indictment that also charged his aide, Walt Nauta, uh, who was set to be arraigned on Tuesday, but apparently was not, as Nauta is uh, reportedly having trouble finding a lawyer in Florida willing to represent him. Well, I know an attorney in Florida who might be willing to take up his case, and he's joining us right now to discuss it. Our friend Keith Barber is a former Republican and frequent Daily Coast contributor on legal and constitutional matters who uh, covers this stuff very closely, as well as, by the way, a former U.S. Army captain who may have a thought or two about sharing highly classified military secrets with book authors. Counselor Keith Barber, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. Uh, so, uh, by the way, have you heard from Walt Nauta? Any, any requests to take up his case? Because I bet he's uh, paying top dollar right around now, Keith. Yeah, I, I never, ever had a uh, license to practice law in Florida, so... <laughs> oh, well... Uh, I have not heard from him. Maybe now's the time to get one. Why, by the way, why would he be having trouble finding an attorney? I mean, if that's true, I don't know if it's a, a ruse to delay the entire case or not. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think part of it may involve finding an attorney who can get clearance Ah, uh, because of all the classified materials involved. But ah. beyond that, that is a kind of odd story. There's obviously a whole lot of attorneys in Florida. Yeah, I would think, and uh, frankly, all of the attorneys would have to get some sort of security clearance. So why he's having problems, uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll get back to that a another time, I suspect. Uh, before we get to uh, Trump's attempted explanations for all of this, Keith, I just want to get your, your general reactions to the Bedminster tape itself. Does uh, does that tape match up with how you read the description of that conversation in the indictment? Yeah, I mean, the tape has, I guess, a little bit more in it, and you can hear everybody's tone and everything. So mm -hmm. there's that. Uh, you know, tapes are much better in many ways than witnesses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, witnesses, a jury can believe, can lie, mm -hmm. uh, or a, a witness can misremember. And a witness will always, almost always, be undermined 
by cross-examination from opposing counsel. Uh-huh. You can't cross-examine a tape. It, it, if You can cross-examine an audio tape, though, I'm wondering. you know, If there was videotape, it seems like that would be harder to do. There's a lot of crosstalk and so forth. Is it clear enough uh, about what is going on, or is there room in there for... I mean, there's always room for Donald Trump to deny, but is there legitimate room uh, for him to uh, b- uh, deny that this was as nefarious as uh, the indictment seems to suggest it is? Uh, it's awfully tough. It's clear he's holding up something that's secret. He says it is secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there could be some question as to whether or not he handed it around, whether or not he let people really look at it and see it. Mm-hmm. But when you listen to that tape, it certainly sounds like he does. I mean, it looks like they look at it, and and they're persuaded, but, yep, you're right. Mm -hmm. Millie really was wrong about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what you'll also have in addition to the tape is the people who were there testifying as to what they saw happen. Mm -hmm. And that, combined with the tape, is... uh, is really going to put the prosecution story together and back it up. And I suspect that th- those folks, I don't know who they are, but I suspect they don't have quite the, uh, uh, the uh, well, they're, they're going to be less likely to lie to federal prosecutors than Donald Trump might be uh, when they're asked direct questions about this. The uh, conversation happened in New Jersey uh, at Bedminster, as I understand it, Trump has been charged with retaining documents unlawfully under the Espionage Act, not transmitting documents, which is arguably what he did in showing them to these writers or journalists or whoever they were. Uh, why has he not been charged with transmitting the documents, as I suspect you would have been, Keith Barber, had you done the exact same thing? I think I would have been uh, showing it to, you know, an author of a book and -hmm. and things like that. It's absolutely crazy. But, you know, the charges must be brought according to the United States Constitution and the federal rules of criminal procedure in the district where the offense occurred. Mm -hmm. Now, that's why the charges related to all of these documents had to be brought down in South Florida, and it let Judge Cannon get her grubby fingers on the case. But... (laughs) This dissemination of this secret document to these people, if that's what occurred, and certainly seems that way, uh, occurred in Bedminster, New Jersey. So that, those charges would have to be brought in New Jersey. And, you know, I have not heard uh, uh, anything about a federal grand jury in New Jersey looking into this. Mm-hmm. But then again, we did not hear about that one in Miami until very close to the release of the indictment. True. So yeah. it's possible that it could happen, but it would be in New Jersey. Well, he was traveling with these documents, apparently, if, if, you know, if this is true, across state lines from Florida to New Jersey uh, and maybe back again. We don't know for sure, I guess, because we don't know, actually know where that document that he's referring to in that tape actually is now, apparently. But would there be additional charges that he could also face for transporting the documents like that? Uh, yeah, though the bigger concern would be the dissemination of them. I mean, he obviously moved them from originally from Washington, D.C. to Mar-a-Lago, and I mm-hmm. think that's being looked into as well. I'm not sure they're going to be charged with that, but he treated them as his own and put them in his luggage and flew them up from Mar-a-Lago to Bedminster, mm-hmm. you know, when he summered up there. 
and then had this meeting and sat down with these people and, and said these incredible things. But, um, you know, you could have, I suppose, a multi-jurisdictional crime occurring there, though I, I think that Smith would kind of want to keep it clean and just charge him in New Jersey for that dissemination, if it's a chargeable offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get the sense that he is trying to be as, uh, you say, clean, as sort of uh, simple as possible to in order to move this case along as quickly as possible and uh, avoid any sort of uh, yeah. appeals processes, uh, po- charges of you know politics, etc., that he's basically giving him better treatment than you or I would uh, receive had we done the exact same thing? Uh, yeah, well, I think that he's trying to reduce risk. You know, there might have been some tenuous arguments by which he could have brought the charges he just brought Mm -hmm. outside of South Florida and avoided the risk that he he had to know he was taking, that Cannon would get the case. But he also knew that if he did so, he'd be challenged on it. There'd be allegations of forum shopping, you know, judge shopping. Well, one thing that Smith cannot be accused of in drawing Cannon as a judge. Yes. Is judge shopping. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, in, in the uh, in the interview uh, that uh, Trump did with Fox, uh, Brett Fox's Brett Bear about a week or so ago, that happened before the release of the actual Bedminster tape. Uh, Trump was asked about these particular documents and this particular recorded conversation before it came out. He claimed there was there was no document. It was only a stack of newspapers. Does the uh, well, do, does the recording now that we've heard the actual recording, does it hold up to that claim that he was making to a Brett Baer, as you see it, as a as a longtime attorney? If you had this as evidence before you. Yeah, what it doesn't. I mean, it's kind of absurd to listen to that tape and, and hear that Trump even tried to say that. And I understand in a more recent interview with Fox, he didn't go as far as saying that, but he said something to the effect of, well, nobody in the room seemed to feel like we were doing anything wrong. Right. And and that's not even true. One of the people in the room even said, yeah, now we're in trouble. Uh-huh. I... Now, I mean, that, that one may be one of the most powerful lines in the whole thing because they're all looking at each other knowing that they're doing something that they're not supposed to be doing exactly and 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 they were laughing about all of this keith now of course they're not going to tell him uh oh mr president you can't show that to us the it's unlawful to show us those iran war plans but they're all laughing about it i mean as a former u.s army captain keith what were you told about revealing things like military plans to the media (laughs) you can't do it (laughs) i I, operational security, as we sometimes call it, uh, uh-huh. and so forth, was something taken very seriously. We did not joke about it uh-huh. uh, when when I was involved, and you know, and I remember going and receiving classified briefings on our war plan for the Persian first Persian Gulf War, uh-huh. and you know, and and hearing a week or so in advance about the plans for the left hook that everybody (laughs) talked about became famous. It's not like uh, I came home and discussed that with anybody. 
But what have what if you had done so? What if you had talked to a book author or a journalist about those plans? What was your understanding of of the, the punishment you would have faced for something like that? I I would have received a general court martial and a almost certain dishonorable discharge, and and gone to uh, long term involuntary. Uh, transfer to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Yes, I suspect you would have. Uh, do you have any sense, Keith, of uh, who released this tape to CNN? Uh, mo- most the most likely party seems like it would be uh, Team Trump. Uh, they have access to it as evidence that was turned over from uh, Jack Smith, and I guess he had uh, his own copy of this tape when it was originally recorded. But it, if not him, who? And if him, why? What What does it get him, you suppose? Well, Team Trump, I think, recorded it. Right. Trump wanted it recorded mm-hmm. so that when when he was having meetings with people like reporters, so that the reporters couldn't, you know, say that he said something that he didn't say. Mm-hmm. So it was. You know, long before Smith got it, somebody else recorded it. Now, I've heard two stories there that was one of the Trump people or perhaps it was the publisher mm-hmm. recorded it. But either way, you know, obviously uh, well over a year goes by between uh, when it was recorded and when we first hear about it. Who, was, who you know, it was shared with mm-hmm. afterwards by whoever recorded it. I mean, And this was... Now, this could just be out there uh, amongst all sorts of different people who passed it around, and, and, you know, one of them that got it decided to turn it over to the media. Are you dis- I think the least likely possibility is that the Department of Justice leaked it. I would agree. That's, that, I would agree. That's almost certainly not true. Right. And if so, then it's someone else. It seems like... I mean, I get—I don't know—I got nothing as far as uh, you know knowing who did it, but it sure feels like it would have been Trump doing something like this. Uh, although I'm not sure what it gets him, other than to sort of, you know, take away the the shock and surprise that would occur during the actual trial when this uh, material appeared. Well, well right? what it gets him is what he's doing. He's claiming that this is prosecutorial misconduct that the Department of Justice leaked it wrongly mm. and that these these sort of leaks prove that they're out to get him and stuff like that uh, and and so forth. I, like I said, the, the prosecution gets almost nothing out of leaking this. Right. It's, it would be an incredibly high-risk maneuver if it came out that the prosecution was responsible for leaking it. Uh, that would be misconduct. And so I don't think that they did it. I think that it either came from kind of a neutral party who just happened to get a hold of it while it floated around for over a year after being recorded, or it came from, you know, the Trump people so that Trump could once again play his victim card. Yeah, and he was playing that uh, today in a uh, an interview with uh, Fox News just before an event in New uh, in New Hampshire. 
He said, oh, I had a whole desk full, a lot of papers, mostly newspaper articles, copies of magazines, copies of different plans. He just sort of drops that part in there. Copies of stories. And what was said was absolutely fine, perfectly fine. We did nothing wrong. This is all, all a hoax. Asked if there were any other recordings that may materialize. Trump said, I don't know of any recordings that we should be concerned with because I don't do things wrong. I do things right. I'm a legitimate person. Now, Keith, I'm inclined to ask you if Donald Trump is a legitimate person, but I'm short on time. So instead, I want to just ask, you know, with all things being equal in an equitable world, is there anything short of a uh, sort of an extrajudicial event, you know, a corrupt judge, jury nullification, a self-pardon if he wins an election, uh, Supreme Court dismissal. Uh, short of anything like that, is there any way that he avoids a guilty verdict here with the evidence that we have, given that m- many folks you know, who have we, we've described in the past have been sentenced to many, many years in prison for document thievery that amounted to much less than what Trump appears to have done here? Uh, and with much lesser evidence, it would be very difficult for Trump to not be convicted based upon what we know so far in a fair trial. I think we do have to worry about that last part there, a fair trial Mm. in Judge Cannon's court. And there is a lot she can do to, you know, mess this case up for the prosecution. Yep. We will see how it plays out. Keith Barber, a frequent Daily Coast contributor. You can find his work at dailycoast.com. Also on Medium at keithdb.medium.com. He's known as Keith DB over at Daily Coast. And you can find him on the Twitters at keithdb80. KeithDB80. Keith, always great speaking with you, sir. Thanks for jumping in on short notice, and I suspect we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, Brad. Thank you, Keith. Okay, well, uh, we're on time. We're okay. <laughs> yes, we, we are. There. Although I am yeah, sort of thinking about yes. how he said if there's a fair trial, well, which, you know, is is unfortunately the world we live in right now. It is, but uh, a lot of people watching for whatever good that will do. Yeah. All right, quick break, and we are back. Don't try to ruin my day. This is a good day, <laughs> Desi Doyen. Quick break. We're back with uh, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. No, no, no. You are absolutely not going to ruin my day, Desi Doyen. We had uh, the Independence State Legislature theory turned down. We got Donald Trump on tape essentially admitting to stealing classified documents. It's a good day. Yes. No matter what's in your uh, Green News report coming up. What did you say it was in Texas? Hotter than Morocco? It's hotter in Texas than it is in Morocco. It's hotter than Texas than over 99% of the planet during the peak of this heat wave. All right, here comes comes Desi Doyen trying to ruin our day in our latest Green News report. Please do what you can to conserve energy. 
Conservation helps the grid. Extreme heat and deadly storms spread across much of the U.S. The rail company says that so far no environmental impact has been detected. A train carrying hazardous chemicals derails into Montana's Yellowstone River. Plus, in a lot of spaces now, in many industries, you compete and you partner. More EV car makers adopt Tesla's fast charging standard. Trust Elon Musk? Why not? All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley has a new plan to make the U.S. energy independent. We would stop controlling where they produce or how much they produce and get the EPA out of the way. We would roll back the green subsidies that have been put in place. Okay, no thanks. This is your Green News Report. All right, Desi Doyen over in the GOP primary for 2024. They are already competing about who can destroy the environment more. Yep. Going to be a fun year. What do you got for us today? Well, first of all, as we go to air, the persistent, brutal heat wave walloping Texas is entering its third week, and forecasters say it is expanding to other states, affecting two-thirds of Americans, generating deadly storms and tornadoes, widespread power outages, and canceled flights from Arizona to New England. What happens in Texas doesn't stay in Texas. <laughs> no. The Texas electric grid has so far... Mostly held up in the historic heat, but its biggest failures so far this summer have come from fossil-fueled power plants that overheat and break down. Hmm. But large-scale batteries are still quietly keeping the lights on during the unplanned outages. Several deaths have been attributed to the heat, including a postal worker and a grid lineman. Late last week, Republican Governor Greg Abbott signed a law effectively prohibiting local ordinances that mandate water and shade breaks for outdoor workers. How thoughtful. And yes, this is man-made global warming. Numerous studies show that summers have gotten hotter in the U.S. and are becoming deadlier as climate change drives more extreme weather events. Climate scientist Dr. Michael Mann on CNN explained that worse extreme weather events can be avoided if governments cut emissions quickly. The planet will continue to warm up and the oceans will continue to get hotter and hotter until we stop putting carbon pollution into the atmosphere. We're getting perilously close to that danger threshold, but we can still avoid crossing it if we can bring our carbon emissions down dramatically within the next 10 years or so. The most optimistic climatologist on the planet. In other big news, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled against the Navajo Nation in a long-running suit over water from the dwindling Colorado River. In a 5-4 to four ruling, the right-wing court majority dismissed the tribe's lawsuit, ruling that even though the federal government confined the tribe to a reservation in the Arizona desert in the 1800s, it is not legally required to take any steps to ensure the tribe has an adequate water supply. How thoughtful. It's a victory for Western states that said a ruling for the tribe would disrupt existing Colorado River agreements. Justice Neil Gorsuch, who often sides with tribes in legal disputes, joined with the court's liberal justices 
in dissent. Legal experts say the tribe does have potential options in other water rights litigation. In Montana, cleanup is underway on the Yellowstone River after a railroad bridge collapsed over the weekend, sending multiple rail cars tumbling into the water, where they ruptured and spilled hazardous molten sulfur, asphalt, and sodium hydrogen sulfate into the river. The cause of the accident is under investigation. Officials say so far, air and water testing have not shown any threat to the public, but towns have shut down drinking water intakes downstream of the spill. In Oregon, Multnomah County has filed suit against 17 major oil companies alleging that pollution from fossil fuels contributed to the historic 2021 heat wave that killed 69 people in the state. Go get them. Some good news. Electric vehicle startup Rivian announced it will join GM and Ford in adopting Tesla's North American charging standard, which will give its car owners access to Tesla's expansive, fast charging network in the U.S. and Canada. The move puts Tesla on its way to making its standard dominant as EV adoption grows. Prospective buyers get reassurance that charging will be available, and Tesla gets the charging revenue and the ability to access federal infrastructure financing. Finally, great news. The Financial Times reports that for the first time in history, global spending on solar energy production will outpace spending on oil production this year. $370 $370 billion investment in oil, $380 billion investment in solar, with China investing more than the rest of the world combined in solar manufacturing. Well, most of that is good news. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sunshine. Yep. Yep, indeed. Good day, sunshine. A good day, indeed. Uh, thank you very much, Desi Doyan, our producer. My thanks to our guest today, of course, Keith Barber of Daily Coast, and to all of you for spending a portion of your good day with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free, along with all the programs we have ever done, even on the bad days, at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you generous enough to hit one of those donate buttons or just go straight to bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and me stay on your public airwaves. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, You can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons, you will find me at The Brad Blog. I hope to see you at all of the above. Until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sunshine. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1905.
That was the day over 200 socialists, anarchists, and Marxists, representing over 40 organizations, met at Brands Hall in Chicago to convene the founding of the Industrial Workers of the World. Representatives from groups like the Socialist Party, Socialist Labor Party, and Western Federation of Miners joined together for an 11-day convention to discuss the future of industrial unionism and revolutionary struggle. Those present included Big Bill Haywood, James Connolly, Daniel DeLeon, Eugene V. Debs, Lucy Gonzalez-Parsons, Mother Jones, and many more. They hoped to cohere an alternative to the politically conservative business unionism of the American Federation of Labor. They sought to build on the legacy of the Knights of Labor and their motto of an injury to one is an injury to all. They were determined to build an industrial union that organized workers regardless of skill level. They also distinguished themselves by opening their doors to men and women, black, white, and all immigrant workers, including Asians. Big Bill Haywood opened the first day's morning session with the following remarks, saying, quote, This is the Continental Congress of the Working Class. We are here to confederate the workers of this country into a working class movement that shall have as its purpose the emancipation of the working class from the slave bondage of capitalism. There is no organization that has for its purpose the same object as that for which you are called together today. The aims and objects of this organization should be to put the working class in possession of the economic power, the means of life, in control of the machinery of production and distribution without regard to capitalist masters. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at laborhistoryin2.